This is Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, the podcast. It's new people, new policies, and pros for today's premier generations of military women in America. United We Stand is a phrase that is used to inspire unity and collaboration. This phrase can be traced back some 2,600 years ago to 6th century BC. The first attributed use of the term United We Stand in modern terms was by one of our nation's founding fathers, John Dickinson, where he first used it in a song he wrote called The Liberty Song. In today's episode of United We Stand, we revisit the historic inauguration of the 46th president, which put our country on the path of unity as we march forward in the light and liberty of democracy. Now here's your host, Deborah Harmon Pugh. Welcome to Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, the award-winning podcast, and I'm your host, Deborah Harmon Pugh. On January 20, 2001, the American people and people all around the globe witnessed Chief Justice Roberts administering the presidential oath of office to Joseph R. Biden as in accordance with Section 1, Article 2 of the U.S. Constitution. Now, the presidential oath of office is only 35 words long, and every president of the United States is required to recite the oath as the official start of their presidency. Here's a recap of this year's historic presidential oath, swearing into office America's 46th Commander-in-Chief. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Joseph Robinette Biden, Jr., do solemnly swear. I, Joseph Robinette Biden, Jr., do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute. That I will faithfully execute. The office of President of the United States. Office of President of the United States. And will, to the best of my ability. Will, to the best of my ability. Preserve, protect, and defend. Preserve, protect, and defend. The Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. So help you God. So help me God. Congratulations, Mr. President. In today's conversation of Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, you will meet our esteemed panel of guests who are women veterans and industry experts. They are joining us from Columbus, Ohio, Chicago, Illinois, and Arlington, Virginia, as we come together to celebrate this historic presidential occasion and begin the national dialogue on the hopes and dreams and expectations emanating from America's women veterans community. Let's start today's important conversation after this short break. Hi, I'm Sergeant First Class Robin Johnson from the National Guard Bureau in Arlington, Virginia, and I'm honored to be a part of the Women Veterans Public Policy Panel, recapping the inauguration of President Joe Biden here at Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, the podcast. Hello, it's Rochelle Crump president and founder of the National Women Veterans United. I'm joining from the great state of Chicago, Illinois, and I'm looking forward to the journey. Thanks. Would you like to be recognized as a podcast conversation starter? Send your suggestions and ideas for upcoming shows to us at info at womenvetsrock.org because we're always elated to hear from our audience and the podcast community. 
Don't forget to stay in touch and follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Vets Rock and Facebook at Women Veterans Rock. We are excited about today's conversation because in our studio today, it's all things new. It's a new year and it's a new season for our podcast. And we're excited to have each and every one of you here as we kick off podcast season number four. We also have a new Commander-in-Chief here in the United States of America. We want to extend congratulations and welcome to President Joseph R. Biden, our new Commander-in-Chief, and we also have a brand new Women Veterans Public Policy Panel. As I said, it's all things new here in our podcast studio. So let's begin by meeting our three esteemed members of our Women Veterans Public Policy Panel. First we have with us here on on our show is Dr. Dana Robinson-Street of Ohio. Hi, I'm Dr. Dana Robinson-Street. I'm a primary care provider and urgent care provider, and I've served in the military on active duty as a United States enlisted sailor and naval officer for almost 26 years. I am so proud to be here as a part of this panel, and I am looking forward to all of the discussions that we have. And I would like to say that one thing that I have noticed is the calm and the peace that seems to have transformed over this nation in the last few days. I am so thankful and I'm so glad that, that the anger is seeming to melt away the anger in this society, which tells me that we can continue to look forward to a new day and to continue to move forward as an amazing country. Thank you, Dr. Dana, for that introduction, and thank you for adding to my list of all things new here in our podcast studio. We also are excited to welcome President Rochelle Crump of Illinois. Good evening, and thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it so much. I'm an Army veteran, Vietnam era, uh, Women's Army Corps, and that's historic in its own right. Uh, I've worked uh, basically in Veterans Affairs for over 46 years now. Uh, opened up the only Women Veterans Center in the state of Illinois, and we're one of few across the nation, and it's uh, great to be able to tell you about them. Thank you. Well, President Rochelle, we are just delighted to have you here with us this evening um, to be a part of what I consider to be a very esteemed panel, and I'm just so honored to have you and our other guests here. Next we have with us on our esteemed panel is First Sergeant Robin Johnson of Virginia. Good day, and thank you for having me. I am Sergeant First Class Robin Johnson. I'm the HRNCO for the National Guard Bureau located in Virginia. I've been here since March of 2019, and what I do here at the National Guard Bureau is the Joint Service Member and Family Readiness and Outreach. We have what's called the NGCC, and it stands for the National Guard Command Center. The Command Center is um, is the post where we monitor any soldier that's on orders, and we monitor throughout all the 54 states, and we do accountability of each and every soldier um, we called it on the battlefield. And the most interesting thing that occurred is that during the last week or so, 
where we had at least 25,000 National Guard soldiers, we were able to do accountability for each and every one of them, not just here in the capital, but um, across all the state. Again, honored to be here this evening, and thank you very much. Well, Sergeant Robin, it is just wonderful to have you here with us today because the National Guard Bureau has done a phenomenal job in supporting the efforts around having over 25,000 National Guard service personnel who came from around the country to serve, support, and protect the inaugural activities for our new Commander-in-Chief. And so when you became aware of it, what were some of the headlines you were seeing about this uh, National Guard debacle in terms of their orders getting shifted for these several hundred members? And could you give us a sense of where things stand? What's the status and the climate around that right now? Well, thank you for asking me that question, and I appreciate uh, the accolades that were given to the, the National Guard and as we serve and protect what I saw was soldiers thrown out of the Capitol. That was the title that you saw in the news? That was the title that I saw in the news. I mean, there's some truth to that, but I was shocked. I was shocked because I'm looking at this and I'm saying to myself, that could have been me in that area, in that parking lot. And I became very angry, and I said, who, why did that happen? Who communicated? Who organized that? Who took them from the Capitol and put them in a parking garage? Now, I will say um, I've had some friends that have been here, been down here um, for a week, and they were in hotels throughout Arlington, Alexandria, and, and, mm-hmm. and Washington, D.C., and some of these soldiers didn't have that opportunity to be in a nice hotel. They've been on guard, on shift, just doing what they're doing. And I, I was very much um, upset, and I had a couple of my friends call me today, and we talked about it, and they shared with me how they really felt, the disappointment, the anger and hurt to see serving the country, serving their state, and to be just thrown into a parking garage. At this time, what I can say is that we have our um, chief of the National Guard Bureau um, talking with um, our leadership um, at the White House, finding out what happened, who Mm -hmm. dropped the ball, and um, more is probably more to follow um, mm-hmm. as I ask more questions about how did that happen. But I will say that we're all very upset, and many of us got on the phone and called our um, state representatives to let them know how angry we were. No, we weren't there, but we're speaking for those are our. That's my brother and sisters that was out there. We're speaking for them as well. Getting to the root of how did that ever happen? How did that transpire? That's what I, I want to know, and that's what made me upset. And if if any of you recall, and I know you do, um, like the first day that some of the service members got to Washington D.C., you saw that picture on the news, whereas some of them were sleeping in the Capitol on the Capitol floor. We talked about that, you and I. They mm-hmm. they were there and they didn't have cots. They didn't have cots. 
I understand you. Some of them probably got twenty-four hour, twenty-four to forty-eight hour notice. It reminded me when we went to Katrina and we didn't have much time to get our things together. But the one thing I do remember is that sleeping bag and a cot. It's it just it's just something that's embedded in me. Sleeping bag and a cot. Um, you know, at that at that level, and that's another probably another discussion. How was the communic? How was it communicated? Where was the organization? It should have been as soon as they had the warning, what we call. It should have been like, let's make sure we we have, um, and that's at the unit level. Make sure people have what they need: sleeping bag and cots. Some had some had them. Uh, some I saw didn't have them. Where was the breakdown? You know, where was the breakdown of communication? Why they didn't have? What they needed to carry out this mission, um, and it's just some—it's just something that that we will continue to follow on. But going back to your original question, the headline that I saw—that's what I saw—and I was like, "How could you? They got thrown out of the capitals, and then you get—they got thrown into a parking garage. Who? How did that even happen? Where? And I'm just asking—I'm just thinking about things. Where was the?" Mandarin. Where was this person? Where was that person? Who said what to whom? How did it get to that point where these soldiers were in a parking lot? So it, again, something that that I will be finding out how that because I want to know because that that could have been me. That could have that could have been a coworker that yeah. that happened to, and it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Now, if you go even further, you've got soldiers who proud remember. Yeah, I was in Washington, D.C., and I got thrown into a, a parking garage. Uh, that's all they're going to remember. They, they may or may not remember the other positive things that happened, but they will remember that. How do you how do you fix that? We have to fix that. It has to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Well, as a member of the National Guard Bureau, it is encouraging to hear that we have human resource professionals like yourself that are in place that work around joint services for family members, for uh, joint services for um, National Guard personnel, and also family member support because um, your experience helps you defer to a number of the logistical dots that have to be connected. And unfortunately, things do fall through the cracks from time to time. And I am encouraged to hear that there is already this conversation in motion about when and how and where this occurs. We're going to look forward to hearing more from you in the future about some of the outcomes. And you're right, a lot of positive things happened during the inaugural ceremonies and the preparation for us to receive our new commander-in-chief. Thank you for um, addressing that issue that's right hot off the press giving us a little insight into that process. So thank you so much for that, Sergeant Robin. If you don't mind, I would like to say that um, it's, a, it's a reminder of how politicizing things can harm, right? Mm-hmm. We, we all saw the examples of what happened at the Capitol recently, mm-hmm. you know, just a few weeks ago. And when you think upon all that, the members of the National Guards are, are called to protect, how they are called upon to risk their lives for our country. It's so important that policy, right, policy matters. Yes. Policy that establishes what is and is not supposed to happen. The ball was dropped. And as I watched that news story this morning, it saddens me to know that these are the same soldiers and the same sailors and same you know, all these National Guardsmen 
that mm-hmm. can be called upon to go to Iraq and go to Afghanistan and risk their lives for our country, yet we could not provide them a warm place to rest. Mm-hmm. It's not acceptable. Yeah. It's not acceptable on any level. And honestly, again, that is the reason why policy matters. So I'm looking forward to policies that will be developed to protect us when unfortunate events like this happen. And more importantly, to stop them from happening in the future. Dr. Dana, I thank you for that because you're right about policy and how policy matters. And that is the thing that have brought us together as this public policy panel is the work that we've been doing through our Women Veterans Rock on the Hill initiative around public policy and public policy day. And I'm excited that we have this experience, this expertise at our table because there will be issues that will continue to surface that we should be learning about, we should be teaching about, talking about, and being advocates for. So as we start looking at the work that um, our esteemed panelists have done, I want to just um, talk to President Rochelle Crump of Ohio. Uh, Rochelle, you are there as the head of a, a woman veteran service organization, and I am interested in finding what are some of your expectations that you have for the women veterans community from our new president and this new presidential administration? to make sure that they start looking at new things and new ways to handle different crises that they have within the VA healthcare system, uh, in the military as well, expectations about how are we going to deal with this military sexual trauma. So when we look at the plans of the president and his cabinet, there's some more that work that has to be done in that area in the healthcare system, the homelessness, you know, with veterans. And this is like a everlasting that's been going on for so many years. You know, we've had so many controversies of individuals who have been the leadership of the systems themselves, you know, and some not having compassion, some not putting themselves in the position of these people deserve to be treated like people and not numbers and not just a system here that they flow through. There has to be more comprehensive um, objectives within the benefits that they give, dental care. You know, you can't say you have comprehensive care and you don't have dental care inclusive of it. You have it at Congress. You have it in the VA system for employees, but you don't have it for veterans. When you talk about common sense approach, those are the things that fall within those guidelines. Well, you make a good point, common sense approach. And I'm going to come back and revisit that before we leave our conversation today. Um, and so I, I, I want to make sure that you put a pin there because I do want to hear, have you give us some thoughts about specifically what do you mean about a common sense approach. I have heard our panelists say a similar thing around public policy. Sergeant Robin made reference to the fact that our members in our military and veteran community, if they're having challenges, they should contact their legislators. I heard Dr. Dana made mention of policy matters, public policy matters. And then again, I hear President Rochelle talk about 
being able to go to your legislator to make them aware of, of the kinds of challenges that uh, members of the uh, veteran community are facing. And so there's this running theme that makes it even more apparent and more evident that this kind of public policy panel is important so that we can elevate the voices of those who need help and support within the veterans community. I'm going to go to Dr. Dana for a moment to see what are her thoughts about her expectations for this new administration around the needs and services in the healthcare community. So when we when we think about the needs of services in healthcare, right? Those those needs are great, right? You have you have one this pandemic that we're dealing with, okay? That is affecting most of us, and if I, I would dare to say all of us in some shape, form, or fashion. I remember when we first started talking about COVID and started realizing and recognizing that COVID was actually a real thing. We had only heard about it on the news. Well, now most of us either have been affected by it, have family members that have been affected by it, have friends that have been affected by it, and or know people who have lost their lives as a result of it. So I am so thankful that this new administration is looking for ways to tackle and address the huge impact that COVID is having in our community. But in addition to COVID, we also have to find a way to ensure that people have access to care. When we look at the greatest victims of COVID, you know, it said that those who have congestive heart failure or diabetes or high blood pressure, and you name all of these chronic health conditions that people were actually living with prior to the discovering of this virus, right, that has now caused them to die, right, or caused them to have extensive health care conditions as a result of it. So we have to find a way to make our society healthy. And so I am so glad to know that the new administration is taking a proactive approach to ensuring that they address COVID, but I'm hoping that they will continue to address the fact that we need access to care, that mm -hmm. all of those things that Rochelle mentioned, right, can be wrapped up into how can I be healthy, whether it is my mental health, whether it's my physical health, my economic health, all of these things are an important part of us as a society. And if we don't address them, then we're going to continue to see mm -hmm. Americans who have extensive health conditions. We're going to continue to see children who are mm -hmm. taking medicine for diabetes and high cholesterol, which was not a thing mm -hmm. not too long ago. And so I am really proud to know that as the change has come, I'm looking forward to more positive changes to come in, mm. in the future. I am just um, overwhelmed. I'm just over the moon about the level of experience and expertise that we have in uh, this panel of women veterans that's uh, a part of today's conversation. And uh, because there's so many issues and so many barriers but so many opportunities, and these are the voices that can help us get from point A to point B. President Rochelle. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> what are some of your expectations from our new president and this new presidential administration? The expectations stem around um, this new plan. 
the new plan, which is an economic plan, it's an American rescue plan. There's so many, uh, you know, situations that are at hand, and there is no one-size-fits-all. We have to have people who have common sense approach to be able to handle and do real social work. So Mm -hmm. I'll cut it off right there. Sergeant Robin, I want to come back to you and find out about what are your expectations for this incoming commander-in-chief. We have a new president. We have a lot of uh, excitement. There is a spirit of optimism. And um, I think that we've actually heard you talk a little bit about your expectations around planning and protecting and performance in and around our National Guard service members. Um, What are your expectations for this new administration and our new commander-in-chief? I'm looking for this 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 new administration to bring back civility and humility because mm. our previous administration did not just did not care. And then when I hear the numbers today, 412,000 people died so mm. far from COVID, and prior to that, nobody cared about them. Mm-hmm. It 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 just astonishes me. I need to see that come back to our country that people care. Number two is I'm looking for the administration to address racial inequality, Mm -hmm. racial discrimination on some level. I I can't wait to hear what... what it will be worked out or talked about of how they're going to deal with that in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, since the insurrection, I had to take a, a serious look at what really transpired, what happened, and the fact that somebody to the left or to the right of me could have been part of that insurrection or they feel the way that they feel towards people um, in this country, towards women, um, towards um, people of color, so many different things, and that's that's a, that's scary. Mm-hmm. And 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 how do how do we how are we going to deal with that? How are we going to reckon with that? Um, um, I'm looking to see what transpires out of the administration about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a huge segment of our community, and whether it is military or civilian, that's that is continuing to work with the challenges. So thank you for that. I just commend you for the work that you guys are doing. So as we begin to bring our conversation to a close today, Dr. Dana, what are your closing thoughts and recommendations as we move forward? My closing thought is that as as they continue to promote peace and unity in our society, you know, when you're when you're not looking through a lens that's so clouded with animosity, you can actually get things done, right? We can accomplish things, and I know we can, and that's one of the reasons why I started out with my introduction mentioning the peace that I feel mm-hmm. is not just, not just within myself but within our society. I honestly feel that a transformation occurred, not just, a change of command or a change of leadership, right? I feel that because we are not having all of the different problems and all of the different things that you just saw day after day, week after week, month after month, Mm -hmm. face us as a nation, Mm -hmm. then we can come up with solutions. Mm 
right? Mm-hmm. In a short period of time, first of all, had we not had this insurrection on the Capitol, then our National Guardsmen would have never had to be on the steps mm-hmm. and be out there in the cold and be out there to protect um, mm-hmm. our legislators as they do their work, right? But because it happened, then we had to come up with a plan to mm-hmm. protect us mm-hmm. as not just, not just as people who have been elected, right, but as a society. Because when those kinds of things happen right here on our, in our land by mm-hmm. domestic terrorists, then we are all placed at risk, mm-hmm. right? And so because of that, the National Guardsmen had to be called to Washington, D.C., and I think on the news they mentioned that there was at least 25,000. And now we look at the other things that could have contributed to why they had to be on the floor of the Capitol, right? Mm -hmm. The fact that the hotels had to shut down. Mm -hmm. You had to be careful who was in the area. And I'm not making excuses, and I'm definitely not saying that it's okay. Uh, But what I am saying is that when we don't have all of this just continuous problem after problem, day after day, incitement of anger, you know, feelings of animosity because of what someone looks like or their culture or their race or their nationality or their gender or their sexual identity, when we don't have all of these things just flooding us every single day, we can come up with solutions. I am confident that the leadership is going to address Mm -hmm. the fact that our soldiers were placed at risk. Mm -hmm. I am confident that they're going to address Mm -hmm. COVID and come up with a plan. Look at the fact that the we had a vaccination, but there there was no plan to get it into the arms of people. Mm -hmm. So Realistically, it was like not having one, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't have a way to implement the idea, then your idea is just a thought, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's true, right? And so so they have already started addressing these things in just a couple of days. Mm -hmm. So as we continue to uncover those things in our society that prevent us from thriving, I truly believe that as they are made aware of them, they will find a way, they will find a solution, just like they have found a way to give us some peace after all of these years of just hectic things going on in our society. So I am still optimistic. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to it. It just reminds me of the song, I love the movie The Wiz. There's a song that's in there Mm -hmm. called A Brand New Day. Right? And, um, and every morning I just get up feeling like it's a brand new day. We're still faced with COVID, but it's a brand new day, right? You know, we're still underemployed, but it's a brand new day, right? We still have these concerns for us as women veterans. We have these concerns within our society, just how to be equal. Me as an African-American woman, how do I prevent my children from being harmed by the police, Right? Mm-hmm. How do I protect myself as I go to my car or as I come back from shopping spree or whatever I'm doing in society because I am everything while black. That's mm-hmm. just who I am. <laughs> I am an African American. I was born that way and I don't get a choice in it, right? But I truly believe that this new administration is going to 
create those policies and come up with those things and be proactive in the, in the development of plans, mm-hmm. just as they have been before they were allowed to take the helm. Mm-hmm. So once again, I'm thankful and I'm proud to be a part of this policy panel. I am encouraged and I, to hear your sentiments about peace, transformation, um, how it leads us into the spirit of optimism that we all have talked about as a panel and the importance of uh, protection and performance from all of our service members and all of our legislators. So I thank you so much for those um, encouraging words, Dr. Dana. And so we're going to um, um, go to Sergeant Robin as we uh, bring our final thoughts to a conclusion. I got to tell you, it's a breath of fresh air, and it seemed like a weight was lifted off of many of us and to see the possibilities um, that this new administration will have on so many different areas that we all talk about. The second thing would be um, a call to action and to encourage those soldiers and myself to get more involved with our legislatures and to write and to call them as many times as we need to to let them know what we what we will tolerate and not tolerate when it comes to um, our service members. Um, how about past, present, and future? Because it's very important for them to understand, to know that they are supportive. Thank you, ladies. It is a new year, and Women Veterans Rock has a new public policy panel. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. You'll be notified of upcoming episodes so you can join us in the public square for more stimulating conversations. We thank you for listening. And as always, we'd like to thank our sponsor of this episode, Comcast NBC Universal, for their support of women veterans, military families, and America's entire military community. For more information on how Comcast NBC Universal is supporting America's military community or their important work as a military-friendly corporation, visit their website in the description of this episode below. This episode is sponsored in part by our pace-setting national enduring partner, Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated is the only Greek-lettered organization with a national initiative to support women veterans and military families. As always, we are proud to stand together with our military sorors in service to the community. Zeta Phi Beta, congratulations on 100 years of community service, scholarship, sisterhood, and of course, finer womanhood. Have you signed up for the Women Veterans Rock newsletter? We're blogging on families, finances, friends, and all things fresh for women. Go to our website at womenvetsrock.org and subscribe to stay up to date on all things Women Vets Rock and get the next issue delivered directly to your inbox. Now, Posse, take us home.